There you go. Alrighty, I want to invite Jordan Weston to come join me. That's me. Yeah. Hey, hey. Hey, Pat. In case you're not familiar, if you haven't seen this guy before, <laughs> Jordan Weston and uh, Jordan and Jennifer have been around here about what eight years with us. Yeah. Part of our Eight years. part of our part of our fellowship here, and we just appreciate you guys so much. And they uh, they sit with the with the leadership team here as well. So I I learn a lot from these guys, and <clears throat> you guys really help me to spur me on to continued growth. I appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> we're gonna do something a little different. And um, here last month, when uh, the Corey leadership team met, we got into a discussion about um, <clears throat> how to, well, we, we got into a discussion along the lines of listening to one another so as to understand one another, okay? And, and what we all know is that this is like so key to relationships. Um, <clears throat> let me ask all the men here who are all married men, has your wife ever, and you can raise your hand if you want, because this is not anything ugly, but have your, has your wife ever said to you, but you're not understanding me? Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. Uh -huh. Some of the wives raised their hands yeah. as well. Uh-huh. You're not understanding me, men. How many times have you expressed that? To your wife in that context of a marriage, just like, and you're trying to explain, and she's like, what? And you're like, no, you're not understanding. It happens in parent-child relationships all the time, right? Moms and dads don't think their kids aren't getting it, and sometimes kids are like, mom and dad aren't getting it, you know? We struggle with that in relationships, and um, <clears throat> it can happen in the workplace, of course, family relationships, and also in the church family as well, because we're meant for more than just coming together and singing a few songs and partaking of communion and having a message, and we all go home and live our lives. Our, we're actually, it's intended by God that we actually um, build friendships and relationships, not that necessarily any one of us have to become your best friend or best buddy, but we want to be able to understand things. And then you know, we came in our, in our uh, group meeting there, Jordan, we were talking even sometimes along scriptural things. Sometimes that the challenge is, is trying to listen to one another so as to understand. And just maybe in that process, if I can really listen, I might be able to grow. I, I might, yeah. it might be a stimulus. Yeah, the, there's an interesting uh, oft-quoted um, saying from Napoleon, he talks about if you can know your adversary's position as well or better than they do, you win the day. Uh, the problem is, is that turns everything into an adversarial relationship. And what about the, the relationships in your life that aren't adversarial? What about the relationships in your life uh, that like marriage, like your relationship with your children that are designed uh, to grow? Um, there, is, there is some tension there. There is conflict there. A conflictless um, relationship is one without growth, without growth opportunities, or at least hopefully the growth already happened. Maybe that's the idea, you know. You ever hear young married people, we never fight, they say, we never fight. I'm like, oh, no, right? Oh, no. <laughs> hey, bro, you think you never fight. Ask her, yeah. <laughs> So we're going to call our discussion. When she does dishes aggressively, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. We're going to call this discussion listening to understand. And I certainly don't sit here because I'm the expert on it or because I practice this really well. Um, I'm in process like I assume most of us would, would, uh, would think about ourselves personally. And, uh, <clears throat> and I know Jordan for the same way, but... I really want to to kick off with this. We're going to go to a scripture in just a minute here. But in the Gospels, Jesus talks about those who have ears to hear, let him hear. 
You have ears to hear, let him hear. And obviously ears are a feature shared by all of humanity. Um, <clears throat> and so what Jesus is trying to address is, I want you to listen with your heart. I want you to pay such attention and not go, uh-huh, now I have that information, I, I get you. But really how to allow uh, the words to, to impact the heart. So um, let's, read, let's look at some scripture here. I'm just going to read through it. I think we have it up on the screen. Mark 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. And while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. And in his teachings, he said, listen. Now, right there, Jesus is getting their attention. I want you to listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, and even 100 times. Well, then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him listen. Then when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. To those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. But Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Well, how then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others will, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. 30, 60, and even 100 times what was sown. I want us to focus on this one segment or uh, thread throughout this uh, passage. And, and, it, and there's this big difference between ears and having ears and having ears that is really connected with the heart so as to understand and Jesus's parable of the sower and the seed contrasts actually types of hearers. That's what we were just looking at, okay? Contrasts the types of hearers. Those who let the words of the communicator pass straight through their ears and those who truly listen and seek the heart of understanding. How many of you whether it's at home or in any kind of a setting, you had somebody share with you, you're really, your mind was locked onto other things, your heart wasn't really totally connected, not that you didn't care, and the other person shares, and 20 minutes later, you walk away, it's like, now, now what did they say? Have you ever had it happen? Can you yeah. repeat the question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had it happen? Yeah, we all know what that's like. And so Jesus is admonishing here, Jordan. The thing is, he's admonishing us to relationally engage. That, that's what he's talking about. I want you to engage relationally with the heart. Put your feeling, your emotion into it. Because I think here's the bigger picture. Since God is always at work in and, and, and through all people, okay, what we have to recognize is, is that he wants to communicate to us through so many different means and through so many different people. And even if it's a subject or a topic, 
that I may not be interested in in my life, anytime someone has something to share, has value from God's perspective. It has value because if it's a part of their life experience, a part of something that's important to them, it has value if I can dial in at a mental, emotional, and heart level. Right, yeah, and there's, there's two ways to this scripture, this group of scriptures, this parable, has always, uh, you know when you read something or you've heard something so many times and it's hard to land on the truth? It's hard, it's like, oh, that makes sense, but it doesn't hit me to the center. Um, it's, it's getting closer in this season of my life, I'm discovering that really I'm always reading as two different people. I'm reading as a hearer and I'm also reading as a communicator. Because Jesus himself is in the parable telling us and crafting uh, inappropriateness for how we are to behave as hearers so that as hearers we can receive the word. However, he is also the communicator who never relents. He doesn't grow weary and he maintains his compassion for us. When we don't hear, when the birds steal the word, when the rocky grounds, uh, you know, don't take it in, when the thorns choke it out. I mean, this isn't just some people. This is seasons of life, right? You've had fertile soil at seasons of your life, and you've also had the thorns at seasons of your life. And it's interesting he uses the birds. The birds are external. We tend to hear or we tend to observe a hearer not receiving the word when really sometimes it's stolen from them. It's stolen from us. Right. And there's an external uh, nature to this where it must breed compassion in us also as communicators and hearers that give yourself a break, if you wouldn't mind, a little bit. Being a human being isn't so easy. And number two, he really loves you. And he might even like you. <laughs> he does. But... The point is, is that there is these external forces that must craft what right. we do. That it's advice to us as hearers. I am and struck by this one thought, though, here, and that is how that the enemy of our soul, the enemy of relationships, wants to rob us of valuable nuggets of truth of life that can come if I can just really hear and listen. And I, I think this, Jordan, some of the things that, God, or let's put it this way, many, many times in my life, uh, God has worked through people that I don't know, or maybe I know and don't have a hard time appreciating, and yet God is speaking to me through them, and they don't even realize it. They're just maybe sharing their story. They may be sharing something about which, of which they're upset about, or whatever the case may be, but if I can really have this listening here, I'm going away, and it's like, wow, I think God was just talking to me there. And they don't even, it, it didn't even, and what I was getting from God through them wasn't necessarily directly a part of the subject that they were addressing. But if I could position myself to really hear with my heart. And I think that that is really important here on this, this verse 15, how that the birds, the enemies of relationship will come and devour the seed or the thoughts or the nuggets of life that God wants to share um, if, if, we're not paying, if we're not paying attention. As I was just reading and rereading the scripture this week, that really struck me. And I'm, I'm very much aware of the fact is I, I probably have missed a lot of special things that God is wanting to communicate um, to me because I wasn't really paying attention. While there's no condemnation in that for any one of us, it does really pique my interest to say, okay, I, 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 need, I can do better. I can do better at really, really listening. Uh, notice in verse 16 here, he was talking about the soil of our, the heart. It can be rocky. Um, but it, even if rocky soil, shallow soil, you notice it's out, talked about how they, there can be joy in the moment. It's like, yes. And I'm like putting myself in different things, whether it's in conversation with Danette and I or somebody else. And I'm feeling like in the moment, like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling the connection and whatever. But somehow, because of some of the stoniness of heart, uh, or just because of the, the stones, I think, can represent a lot of different things. They can represent other maybe priorities of our life and our minds going this way, that way. It doesn't necessarily have to be bad things. Um, but, but then have joy. But then down the road, 
the relationship doesn't flourish uh, in a way that it could have because I wasn't able to allow for that seed to get into to the soil to actually to help to produce it, a harvest. It reminds me, I, my brother-in-law is in excavation, and he taught me something I didn't know recently along these lines about soil. Uh, he lives in, in central Oregon, high desert. You know, it's beautiful out there. You've got those uh, junipers and the sagebrush out there, but otherwise it's a desert. The problem is, is when you move that soil, if you take a tractor and just create a swath, that's only bare soil for 48 hours. And then the stuff that grows back is not the stuff that was there before. You would think that if you made a swath and let it grow out in the wild, that it would grow back with the juniper and back with the sagebrush and back with what was there. It doesn't. The second you run a plow through there, it goes back, it grows back with weeds. Because I had a question. I was like, why don't some of the landowners around here clear the property and do this and do that? He said, you, ne you never clear property here until you're ready to build. Because the second you clear the property, you're going to fight back more uh, grow back than you ever had to deal with in the beginning. I thought that was interesting. And in the context of the scripture, the rocky soil, there is great joy when we go to move something, when we go to create, when we go to, to uh, interact on the land. But if it is left untended, that joy quickly dissipates yeah. and becomes something we didn't intend. That's cool. That's great. Thanks for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, thanks. My brother, Matt, he gets an A plus for <laughs> Well, Jesus goes on in this, and then he talks about the joy of a harvest. And we can apply it in a lot of different ways. But I think today, for a purpose of our discussion here, is a relational harvest. There is a harvest of relationship when you invest and you invest into relationship and you pay attention and you go through the tough stuff, that there is a joy and a beauty that can come and such a strength that can come and I think that we can really encourage ourselves in this and knowing that as we are continually in process of being conformed to that likeness of Christ and having our hearts tenderized and having the stones removed from our hearts, that, <clears throat> that we can actually have a relational harvest. And, um, but a real key to the whole thing is he that has ears, she that has ears, let him hear. Um, there's some different types of listening. Now, we've already touched on this, and so I want you to kind of go in this next section here, if you would lead us into it. But there's some different um, types of listening, all of which have their place and are really, really important. So Jordan's going to give us just a quick overview of about four basic types of listening, and then we want to focus in one area. And I don't know, we'll see how far we go today uh, with this, and we're just going to let it spontaneously unfold here. Um, but, but let's really try to allow our, our uh, hearts to be encouraged and let's have ears to hear, if you will, and say, God, in what kind of adjustments do you want to make in my perspective or in my heart attitude? Or sometimes it may have simply to do with literally our responsiveness. Uh, and that, that plays out in different ways. Uh, our attentiveness, training ourselves of how to be a careful listener. Uh, that's a real challenge. So why don't you kind of yeah, lead us in this yeah. next section? Yeah, and we're kind of back where this conversation started uh, in terms of, of listening, how it's done, um, and then what happens as a result. That's the real key. I got to qualify myself briefly. Um, I work in law enforcement, as many of you know. Um, I will edit this from the film later, but I, I'm an FBI-trained hostage negotiator uh, by trade. That's what I do. Um, and so I'm a professional listener. But you have to tell my wife that. I have to remind her that I'm a professional listener. I do this at a high level, um, and she forgets, you know, uh, from time to time. Uh, but I'll tell you, the reason that that's important is because, you know, there are, and I, you know, you go into the science of it. It really is fascinating. But for the purpose of our conversation here, I just want to share that part so that you understand where I'm coming from, the, the different versions of listening, the different types of listening mm -hmm. are really important. But are they really important so that we reach our intended goal? Or are they important so that we can be changed by the truth? The scary part is, is that I, as I have aged, today is the oldest I've ever been. Um, today, actually, believe that or not. And as I've aged, I've learned things I didn't know before. 
but that I didn't know that I didn't know. I didn't know that anyone knew them. And so I, I am learning. And so when you approach listening, I'm in a season in my life where I've been going back to the drawing board for the relationships in my life that really matter in starting to not only listen in the ways that I know how to listen, but listen so that I can be united with them and actually changed by what I hear. I go into conversations now consciously believing that I don't speak to anyone that doesn't have something to teach me. That can be wild. Go through the list of people in your head. When we sign up for personal growth, we get to sign, but we don't get to choose the mechanism of growth. We don't get to choose the people that help us. Uh, I would love to sign up for growth from a list of my approved and respected mentors, but those are not always the ones that God chooses to use. He, use, he chooses to use that guy. You know what I'm right. saying? <laughs> or those people. You ever have relationships in your life with people that make you feel small? They just make you feel small. It doesn't matter what you're discussing. They make you feel small. I all of a sudden have this aha moment. Do I make anyone feel small? Uh-oh. Maybe some of us have personal conversations after the service. I don't know, but come let me know. In any case, um, that's the goal in learning to reapproach listening so that it will actually unite me with the person and actually help me grow. But there's a few outline here just to kind of preface with that. Um, the first one we want to discuss here, appreciative listening. Do we have slides for these, for these ones, or am I just moving through this? Okay, there it is. Look at that. Well, it's listen to enjoy yourself. We listen to music. We listen to, you know, different artistic compositions and things like that. We listen to sort of passive listening. It would be also another way um, to think about this. It can be active depending on how engaged you are in the art form, but there is a passiveness to listening. But we do choose uh, the medium. We get to choose the, the thing we're listening to. Comprehensive listening, uh, differently, is when you listen to learn something new. So your intention is to learn something. If you sign up for a class as a student, you have the mindset of a student going in to actually hear something you didn't know or learn the material with sufficient, um, uh, you know, a strategy to pass a test, let's say. Something like that, comprehensive listening. Moving on to critical listening is different still. It's when you listen to form an opinion about someone said, the explanation here is written very clean and nice. But let's talk about real critical listening, right? You know that type of listening where I'm waiting for you to end because I already know what I'm going to say. Nothing that comes out of your mouth will alter what I'm about to tell you because I was going to tell you since last Thursday and now this is happening. <laughs> You're here and wait till you hear my point of view. It's going to bless you, right? <laughs> or something like that. Um, but the reality is, is uh, critical listening can be a very effective form of listening, but it can so easily be hijacked into serving our own ends and missing the point exactly, or entirely, let's say. Then lastly, empathic listening. Empathic listening is now we're getting closer. We're listening yeah. to understand. We're listening to connect. We're actually listening to, let's say, get in the boat with someone. Your experience is obviously um, affecting you. How do I connect with you? This is really easy with like-minded people. This is a huge decision when we are around people not like us. Children of God that are not, don't share the same philosophical or ideological, you know, bend that we do. On that note, Jordan, I was thinking how that sometimes I think we can shortchange ourselves because this kind of listening, like you say, is easy to do with like-minded, kind of like personality type of people. You know, we don't have to work at it too hard. It just happens. And what can happen in that, though, here's the downside of it. We all need those type of relationships, you know. Where you don't have to kind of sweat bullets every time you engage in a conversation. It's like, okay, now i got to put on my active listening thing, you know. We need that. But what can happen is we can get in this little holy huddle of that. 
and have our few little friends that we just get each other. It's easy to really hear the heart, see? But I think maturity is, when as we grow and actually mature, we recognize that we have everything to gain if we kind of enlarge that circle from this little holy huddle that the people that are just really cool that we all get each other, and let's involve ourselves with other people, okay, that, that uh, we can learn from and learn through, even those that we would never choose um, to hang out with, but those who actually God may want to use. Um, that's yeah. uh, kind of just another little side note yeah, absolutely. Uh, that came to my mind. It, and it, it creates the potential for toxic cultures in our in ourself and in our lives, um, either by a deadening of growth or, on the other hand, you've seen personal relationships ravaged from the other extreme. Peace at any price. You know, I'm willing to do, say, agree with anything so that we're at peace. Well, that's not seeking peace at all. Right. That's back to the, the what you were talking about uh, a week ago about the winning and losing. Right. Where we have agreed already to approach every relationship we're in either as the dominant person that will never lose or sometimes we're so beaten down, we're so beleaguered that we have agreed to take on the identity of the loser. I've decided even pre-conflict that I will lose so that we can have peace. Guess what? You're never going to achieve peace that way. It's never going to be accomplished in right. that way. And so empathic listening is a decision, not a cop-out. It's a decision to connect, not either a manipulation to contrive or, on the other hand, a willingness to lose. It doesn't work that way. There's a big, there's a straight and narrow with it, and uh, but it is very, very effective if our hearts can be courageous enough to, to approach it rightly. And so that leads us into basically this idea of, of active listening. I think we've got a slide for active listening. Active listening, this is my forte, because active listening is a real term. Uh, it's a subset of nine things. I could go over them with you, but it's boring. But they are, they've been unchanged uh, in terms of treaty, uh, training negotiators, whether it's in sales or uh, hostage situations or anything like that. But any negotiation you're trying to reach with dueling sides requires active listening. And any time you give a bunch of cops, let's say, in my case, the rules, they want to know the rules so that they can play the game. But active listening really is very, very effective with the right heart. There used to be this thing where years ago I would give a training course to um, young officers about active listening. Active listening is a set of nine skills, by the way. It's like mirroring, open-ended questions, effective pauses, things like that. They are so remarkably useful that anyone um, that's not otherwise you know, out of it uh, is very powerfully moved towards speaking. I can control the conversation by controlling the cadence of my voice. I can control the tone. I can control how soft it is. I can show you, know, I can show you my hands or I can cross my arms. There's a lot of things I can do to change your opinion about what my approach is. It's very, very effective. But the problem is, is that we used to train uh, people to do this, and then there was, a, there was a slide in there that said, by the way, don't get overconfident with this and use it on your spouse. Because <laughs> a lot of people could have like an ex-spouse uh, as a result of doing that and that alone. But you know, after being involved in this, uh, in that medium for many years, I started to understand something that they didn't teach me in the beginning. And that was, no, 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 no. Use it on your spouse, but you've got to have the right heart. Because if you use it, it's not for manipulation, it's for connection. Right. If the point of active listening is just to get someone else to do what I want them to do, well, then it is moderately effective. But if you do it because your real desire is to connect, it's irresistible. Absolutely yeah. irresistible. We don't train that way anymore. I always say, hey, use it on your spouse, but make sure you're doing it for the reasons to grow in love and not to get what you want. 
Let's put this on the screen here, this next one, because it just fits right with what you're on. Um, let's here. Yeah, I have it here. Active listening is the practice of listening to understand what someone is communicating concerning experiences, thoughts, and feelings related to any subject of interest. And I think that's what you're talking about here. You know, we can kind of approach it from a very skilled professional level, and uh, there's a lot of wisdom and strength in that. But, but, but here we're talking about the thoughts, the feelings of it. And that's the reality of where we all live. Uh, I mean, we all have feelings. All day long, we're feeling stuff. Every conversation that we have with any other human, feelings are involved. Mm -hmm. Good feelings? I hope you all have some good feelings today going around the room, right? <laughs> okay. But sometimes feelings are involved. Sometimes we're hesitant. I don't know. And we're measuring things. Is this safe? Is it not safe? Do I want to take a risk? Um, how important is this? Uh, am I interested in I mean, there's, there's so many things that are going on in every relationship at any point at any time. And um, it honestly can be uh, exciting sometimes and other times can be actually feel very risky and, and unsafe. And I think this whole thing with active listening is learning to, to um, which I say is even part of it, training ourselves how to engage at a heart level. And that actually requires a degree of vulnerability on our part, a pretty big degree, because if somebody is sharing their experience and sharing their thoughts and feelings with the hopes of engaging with us, so as to build a better connection, it's very vulnerable on our part then to, to be an active listener. Because that means I've got to be willing to open my heart. I've got to have this heart, that responsiveness. And then what after if they share, I can share. What if they ask me now to share with them? Okay? Mm -hmm. That's not always easy, right? Right, husbands? <laughs> right. I mean, in our family relationships, our friendships. You know, how many times have we all have those nervous twitches going on in our gut? It's like, yeah, I don't know. What am I going to say? I don't know. You know, sincerely, because we are wanting to be. So active listening isn't just like, well, I'm just going to sit and just kind of chill and open my heart wide open. Yes, but in that process, there's a lot of emotion going on. And it takes actually, I would say this, it takes courage to be an active listener. Absolutely. It's easier to already have our pre-formulated thoughts and opinions, and we already know our response. And I honestly think that sometimes we hide behind that. Oh, yeah. uh, I know I have. I have felt that when I'm trying to share my heart with somebody else, I've had it happen many times where I could feel the person, I already got my opinion, you know. They're not even, wanting, they're not even really listening to my heart, just talking about me. Because, because they don't want to engage that level. It's easier just to stay guarded, mm -hmm. you know? It's, well, it's easy to think about, you know, even when Scripture tells us to bind ourselves together, to be of one mind and one heart, yeah. to be united. I'm fine with being united. I'm fine with being of one heart and one mind. I'm waiting for you to get of my heart and my mind. It's simple. As soon as you guys get in line, then we're good. Um, that's the easy part, but really it does take a lot of courage because the likelihood is that uh, I still need to be changed. It's coupled with, you know, uh, Paul's encouragement that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Right. Not we just weren't once transformed and renewed, and then that's it. We're, we're good to go. Wait for everybody to catch up. The reality is that we no longer have this... this um, sacred cow, let's say. We don't have this, this thing that we're holding close, which is exactly what we do when we have um, ideas. And this is, it's, it's hard, uh, you know, it's a hard path to walk because on some, to some degree, this isn't about thinking one way on an issue. You're allowed to do that. You've got a, a brain. You've got a heart. You, you should work that out. Right. But we are in this world that the war for, for hearts and minds is on. Yeah. And we as the people of God are frankly losing that war because we won't have the compassion of Jesus. 
for some people and some things. And that's hard. Our minds are probably racing about those issues I could be referring to. And I'm not referring to one in particular, but, but you name it. Here we are. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that is transformed into his likeness, not more of ours. Yeah. Polarization happens when we don't manage to have a heart that actually seeks to understand. Okay? So it always polarizes. And that can happen in any relationship. It can happen in our homes between, with, between a teenager and a mom or dad. That, that polarization, uh, it happens in marriage, it can happen in the workplace, it can happen in any situation. So whenever we start feeling ourselves like polarizing, or you can feel another person pull away and uh, bristling or something, I think what we have to ask ourselves is, okay, what kind of adjustment could happen in me right now? What kind of action? Maybe I am actually helping to, um, I wouldn't want to say cause, like necessarily it's all responsible, all the responsibility lies in me, but I'm a participant in this relationship, in this conversation. So if I feel somebody like kind of positioning themselves, like what can I do? Not in just trying to be clever, you know, kind of play that role. Well, we'll just kind of manage it. Like you said, you know all the rules and the things you can do that actually can help. Although there uh -huh. are. That's a minimal encourager. What I just <laughs> yeah. but, but what can I do at a heart level? What can I do at a heart level? Say, am, am I actually being, am I, do I have the spirit of Christ working in me now? Am I willing to lay down my opinions and rights um, just for the sake of trying to hear the other person? Or is my opinions and rights so strong that, boy, I'm, I'm positioning myself and such. So it takes courage. It takes humility. And I think, honestly, this is what it is. I, I think sometimes fear is a pretty powerful thing. Um, fear um, is a big factor, I think, in our relationships, that fear. And, and that's what keeps us from being vulnerable. Um, just what if? Just what if I allow that other per person in their thoughts and feelings, particularly if it's directed towards me and a concern they have, um, can I get into a place of not being fearful that the changes that may need to happen in me um, are okay, you know? Because we get in these places where we feel very secure and confident in life, or maybe we're extremely insecure, but we're at least confident in our insecurity. We know where we stand. <laughs> and so now the other person is sharing thoughts and feelings, and we're trying to do active listening, and now the fear happens. Yeah, the, the point, we've got to remember, the point, is, the point of, of that is connection, not agreement. The point is trust, not united thought even if we apply it to uh, even a, a law enforcement type of application what control do we have over over the person on the phone none what control do we gain through talking none it's only influence it's only rapport it's only connection and that's at the basic just professional communicating level what if you added a different kind of listening onto this, and that's listening in love? Remember when you met your spouse? If your experience was like mine, I remember being in love. I remembered things that she would say. We'd be out on a date or something. I remember I was thinking, oh, man, what did she mean by that? I remembered every phrase, every word, everything. And I was thinking about that even as we're approaching this conversation, thinking, well, that, that's a different kind of listening where there's a passion to, I wasn't trying to meet my wife and correct her so that she could be worthy of, you know, like, I just was like in love with this person. And I wanted to know what she was like. I wanted to know what she thought. And I not wanted to know what, what was stimulating to her and what she believed about things. It was way more important than trying to correct the values at that time. Something has helped me, Jordan, along that line is actually looking at that other person and consciously thinking, bringing my mind to recognize this person is a created loved one of Jesus Christ. Christ is at work in and through this person. 
and Christ Jesus wants to minister and strengthen my life through this person, whether or not we see all of life, our worldviews are the same, or uh, cultural distinctives, etc., cetera, uh, or maybe even understanding of scripture, I recognize Christ Jesus has created and is at work in and through this person's life. That helps me to chill sometimes and to say, okay, okay, I can, I, can, I can be okay with this. Even if thoughts and sharing and feelings are coming out in a way maybe then are, that are less than pleasant and beautiful sounding, it's okay. It's okay. Just you know that there's safety and security and the love of Christ. So God, thank you for your love in me. Thank you for working through this other person. And I just have to put myself in remembrance of that. I, can you imagine that, you know? Um, you know, I've said this before with, um, in, in married couples and sitting together where there's maybe some ongoing conflict in a marriage relationship. And, uh, <clears throat> and I've suggested that the two individuals may look at the other and say to themselves, okay, He's not just a mean, ugly guy to me now. This is my brother in Christ. Now, I had a gal one time, she looked at me and said, that's repulsive. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I wasn't smart. That was wrong timing right there. It wasn't a good time. Okay. But what I was attempting to do, most of that was the only time I had that kind of reaction. But what I was attempting to do is to recognize that we're more than just a man and a woman who, have a, who got married and said the I do's till death do us part. Danette is actually my sister in Christ. She belongs to Jesus. She doesn't belong to me. We pitched up together for life, but she belongs to Jesus. She, there's something beautiful about her simply because she's created and loved and is a, is a, a beautiful person who, 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 in whom Christ lives and who Christ dwells, you know, even if she's ugly towards me, <laughs> acting, I mean, you know, and, and she's not. She doesn't do that. But um, that really helps that whole process. And I think as Christians, we have the advantage in this sense. If we know Christ, our advantage is, is to see each other in Christ. Yeah. Where if I didn't know Christ, you didn't know Christ, we, you didn't have a relationship with Christ, you weren't walking in that place. If I didn't, I think that then you have to revert more to some of the technical skills of things. And you can still have a very good working relationship. But just imagine, though, we have the spirit of Christ in us. And if I can just put myself in remembrance that you're my brother, you're my sister in Christ, there's beauty in you. And as I put myself in that kind of remembrance, it really helps me because I literally consciously do that if there's a tense situation. I, I, I have to just do to, to remind myself. And that gives me then feelings of, of, of calm and peace that since we're, we're brothers in Christ, uh, we can hear each other. We don't have to necessarily agree on any particular point as such, but, but we can share the love and the life of Christ with one another. And let's focus on that. Um, go for it. Well, let me, ask, let me ask you this, too, just in your experiences. With the culture we live in now, everything is so provocative, right? In, um, it's so tilted toward controversy, tilted toward conflict. Yeah between people and there are certainly those people that like picking fights and that's their intention in that conversation let's say you know when someone stops listening stop talking that really is <laughs> that's a jordanism not not scripture but sometimes that's the best way to go but how do how do we approach deciphering the difference between someone who really is crying out to be met and understood and known versus the provocateurs, let's say, that simply just want to create strife and conflict. And how do you practice that, you know, in terms of, because uh, things do get better with practice. I mean, you exactly. know, just by active listening, I could 
tell you what the list is, and next time you, you're in a conversation, try it. It really, it's remarkable. It's very, very effective. You'll find that people that would normally shut down won't. They will keep talking. Doesn't mean you'll agree, but they will keep talking to you. Um, so there is benefit in the practice. But wading through the culture, particularly surrounding all of the, the social um, unrest that we see among so many people inside the church and outside the church. Right. You know, it seems to me to be a worthy conversation to figure out how to decipher. Jordan, listen a, to the spirit. in the context of even within the walls of the church, people who sincerely love the Lord, fellowship together and such. I've listened to many, many pastors now um, in the last two years say that um, they have experienced in their congregations more division than ever they've seen in their lifetimes. Um, and if you boil it all down, it's not being, uh, not having a heart to really listen to one another. The differences of perspective related to social issues, um, theological matters, um, political matters or whatever, and not really learning how to listen so as to understand. And so it's actually, I've heard some pastors and leaders say, and some who are uh, in high levels of influence uh, <clears throat> in the nation say that it's actually we're at a critical state because what's happened in the last couple of years has revealed kind of what has probably been in a healthy situation all along in that we never really had a heart to really listen to one another. Mm -hmm. So when tough things happen in life, okay, when persecution comes, as the scripture talks about, and, uh, or when the, uh, there's social upheavals and, and sometimes that's played out in, in different arenas and such. If we don't, if we haven't really learned how to train our souls and to discipline ourselves into the joy of empathic listening so as to understand, not so as to agree, but so as to genuinely in the spirit of Christ understand when the pressures come, stuff hits the fan, and things get really ugly, and then there's just all kinds of division and parting of ways, which has happened in a massive way across our whole land. But sadly to say, it's happened in church communities, almost every church community of this city, uh, church communities all across the land. I'm thinking it's a time and the call of the Spirit is saying, he that hath ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And I just think it's a wonderful time for us who identify with Jesus Christ. Those of us who really have sincerely have a heart for the Lord, and many people do, is to say, God, I want to have ears to hear. You know, we can get a little overly spiritual. I say, well, I do have ears to hear. I read the Bible every day, and I pray, and I just do what God tells me to. Well, yeah, yay for you. But God works through his body, the body of Christ. That means other people. And that means people with whom I'm not always going to understand or agree with, but I at least want to be a careful listener so as to at least try to understand. And uh, <clears throat> I just had, um, I was thinking in particular of a couple of beautiful conversations uh, this last week. Uh, actually, I had several beautiful conversations and it was so beautiful because um, I was in a place to have a heart to listen, but the other persons were as well. And, and at the end of the conversations, we can look at each other and go, wow, we're brothers, we're sisters in Christ, brother and sisters in Christ, or brother and brothers in Christ, you know. And, and we may have a different perspective or different understanding, but, but there's joy, there's peace, and there's honor shown. So I just feel like it's a call of the Spirit, and it's a great season for us because there's a whole lot of beautiful, wonderful saints who, are, who have been highly stressed and in distress in the last couple years. And uh, I wonder if we could, uh, you know, we're, here we are already in fall of 2022, but what if we could wrap up 2022 and saying, I'm going to make... Here's a new commitment I want to make before my Lord, and that is 
in being conformed to his image and likeness be, means or involves, one thing it involves is becoming more of a l better listener to understand the hearts of others. Mm -hmm. Key word, understand. He didn't call us to try to agree with everyone, but I want to understand. Try to. And you may never fully. Yeah. And along those uh, lines, I'd like to, before we pray, share a small video uh, with you. It is only a little over a minute long. Um, I think that you'll enjoy this. Do it. This is the right type of listening. Hit it, Daniel. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. If you would just don't try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can So if if that doesn't encapsulate human communication, it's not about the nail. And a lot of the times we have these held beliefs. And we're either deceived or preoccupied, but whatever, we're not connected. And so for those that are deceived, let's have some patience. <laughs> and for those that are preoccupied, it's not about the nail. That's good. Thanks for joining me, Jordan. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today here. And those of you watching online, thanks for, your, for tuning in and joining us.